undoubtedly one of the greatest intros to any song ever. Man, Queens of the Stone Age with Dave Grohl. Undeniably one of the best albums of the early 2000s, mid 2000s. I mean, there's a lot of good music to choose from in that time frame, but man, this album was so good, so iconic, and it was, you know, Dave Grohl obviously is the magic sauce there. Not that Queens of the Stone Age were a great band already, but I mean, this album really did wonders for them, and it was a, it was a cool kind of uh, moment in my life where things were kind of turning around and changing, and I think about this album a lot. It was a really good album. Anyway, welcome. Uh, to the Real Deal Podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, it's been five weeks, as a matter of fact. Last podcast that you heard from me and Scott, uh, Scott was just talking about his his uh, procedure he's going to have to have done uh, for the cancer that was found in his neck. And If you guys follow him on social media at all, you know that he had that done and everything went successful. But um, as been the theme of this year, it seems like, uh, he and I both have just had a really hard time um, with our schedules, um, my schedule is full. His schedule is full. There's just a lot going on. It seems like, and you know, um, and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, his business is, is flourishing, and I'm I'm busy as well. And and um, you know, things going on in my life. I'm about to be a grandpa. And son got his driver's license today, and you know, there's a lot. Uh, of personal things going on too and so um, we will do our best to get back together as soon as we can and uh, try to get some quality content out to you guys some some good conversations uh, he and I still talk quite a bit we just we both haven't um, been able to get our our timelines on the same page uh, the last couple of months and so thank you for bearing with us we hope you're still listening uh, you know and, and uh, that's kind of the reason I wanted to put this out tonight was to, to just to touch in you know touch base and you know see how everyone's doing and uh let you know how we're doing you know that we're still alive <laughs> you know and uh still kicking it's just been a, it's been a rough year it's been a hard year for for he and i in this regard with the podcast so anyway um we're nearing the end of the year and uh you know this this time of year is always sort of an introspective period you know you've got the the end of the year coming as well as the new year coming and you know we love the idea of a new year we love new beginnings we love uh getting to start over um and that sort of thing and i i think that you know there's 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 a lot to be said for that you know but as we start to look inward for the year and we do a little little bit of um Inventory, whether it's spiritual or emotional or intellectual or physical. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of different types of inventories that we do. We kind of go over our life and check and see if we progressed at all. Did I did I excel in this area? Do, does this area over here need work or you know whatever it might be? You know me. I always think it's good to go back to what I call the standard. Uh, the source of everything, and that is the you know for me being a a a, a full time minister on top of the other two full time jobs that I have, um, you know I find a lot of not just comfort but strength um, in the Old Testament biblical text, and in, in in particular the Psalms, and I think about 
Psalm 74. It was written um, post-disaster, right? Possibly after the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem. And I'm not going to get into a a history lesson with you on that. I mean, I don't want to bore everyone to death. But listen to just a, 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 a sample of of the things that are that are that are going on there um there there's a i mean it's not it's not just destruction it's devastation i mean it's utter devastation with what's going on and um you know this is this is caught up and recorded a little bit in psalm 74 uh this is written by asaph not david asaph was was, uh, was a different writer um, and I won't bore you with all the details surrounding him, but we could talk about this one at a time. But he says this, Why have you rejected us forever, God? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you purchased long ago and redeemed as the tribe for your own possession. Remember Mount Zion, where you dwell. Make your way to the perpetual ruins, to all the enemy has destroyed in the sanctuary. Your adversaries roared in the meeting place, and this is where you met with us. They set up their emblems and signs, and like men in a thick of the trees, wielding axes and smashing all the carvings with hatchets and picks. They set your sanctuary on fire. They utterly desecrated the dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, let us oppress them relentlessly. They burned every place throughout the land where God has met with us. There are no signs for us to see. There is no longer a prophet, and none of us know how long this will last. God, how long will the enemy mock? Will the foe insult your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand? Stretch out your right hand and destroy them. God, my king, from ancient times, performing saving acts of earth, you divided the sea with your strength and smashed the heads of the sea monsters of the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You fed them to the creatures of the desert. You open up the springs and streams. You dried up forever flowing rivers. The day is yours, also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You set the abundance of the earth. You made summer and winter. Remember this, the enemy has mocked the Lord, and foolish people have insulted your name. Do not give to the beast like a dove. Do not forget the lives of the poor people forever. Consider the covenant. For your dark places in the land are full of violence. Do not let the oppressed turn away in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, God. Champion your cause. Remember the insults of fools against you all the day long. Do not forget the clamor of your adversaries, the tumult of your opponents that goes up constantly. It's just doom and gloom. Perpetual ruins is what he describes. Everything in the sanctuary is destroyed. The dwelling place of God's name is profane, scoffing enemies, you know, violence filling the land. Understandably, Psalm 74 is full of questions, and the author asks these questions in verse 10 and 11. He says, why? How many times have you had to ask yourself that question? Scott and I talk about why a lot. What about this one? How long? And then he asks, you know, will this last forever? But verse 12, if you go back and look at verse 12, it begins differently. It begins with the word yet. It's the first word in verse 12. 
And I don't know that I've ever really noticed it before, but you know, when I was reading this, I was like, man, his life just sounds horrible. And I don't know about you guys, but I find myself there. You know, I mean, obviously I don't live in perpetual ruins. I don't live under the same sort of conditions that were going on in that time, but we all have our own little battles. We all have our own things we're dealing with. And maybe it's internally, it's some, some demon you're battling in your own mind that's, you know, wrestling with your conscience. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a challenge that, that you just can't overcome. Maybe it's something bigger than that, but you know, I digress. But when I read, I read that word, Psalm 74 verse 12, it begins with the word yet. What a precious word that is. In this context, yet is a glimmer of light in a very dark place. He says, yet God, my king, is from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. That's Psalm 74, 12. He says, yet, he says, despite all this, my God is a king, working salvation from the midst of the earth. He's a king from old, and that that phrase essentially means he's a king from eternity. Yet is the psalmist's anchor here, deeper than the despair, stronger than the storm. It's saying that that God is. He says, God is my king. God is working. My king is a God of salvation. It's, it's, it's all present tense. So here's what I wanted to share with you. If you live long enough, tough times are going to come. In your case and in my case, it's not going to be ruined walls and a devastated temple like Asaph's here. Maybe it's, well... To echo back to, to our last podcast episode and to echo back to my life back in 2019 when my wife got it, maybe it's cancer. That's a tough word to hear. You know, I can remember when we were sitting in the doctor's office and the biopsy was done on my wife and and she told us, she says, uh, listen, it's going to be a few days before I get the results back of this, but I can tell you now what this is. It's cancer. And when you hear those words, man, it changes everything. Everything in that moment changes. The things that I thought I cared about and the things that I had priorities or I thought were priorities all got shifted to the back. And the only thing that mattered to me in that moment was my wife and what we were going to do. And so maybe it's not ruined walls. Maybe it's not a devastated temple. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's the loss of a job. I mean, how devastating can that be, especially in this economy right now? Maybe it's a house fire. You know, maybe it's not anything physical at all. Maybe it's the betrayal of a close friend. Maybe someone that you were really close to that has really hurt you. God forbid, maybe it's divorce. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, Christians harp on divorce all the time, but you know, a passage that I know we all know well says, you know, let what God join, man not separate. And the idea is that God has created a bond of unity between you, your spouse, and him. And so to tear that apart is literally like ripping something in half that's that's whole. It's going to be painful. What about what about the death of a child? I can't even speculate on that. I'm not even going to try. But maybe some of you have had to deal with that. 
The point is, is that when the toughest times come, do you have a yet? See, that's that's the writer of this psalm here when he says, yet, my God is a king. It's an anchor. And it's deeper than the despair that he's in. It's stronger than the storm that he's in, right? He says, yet, my God is. And so when tough times come, do you have that anchor? Do you have a yet? Listen, maybe you're not religious, and that's okay. All right? I'm not going to force that on you. But do you have a yet? Because I will tell you, a lot of times, religious people like myself get made fun of. And listen, in some, to some degree, I'm sure it has its merits. Um, by the way, some of believers like me act. And I can't. Speak for everyone, nor will I apologize for everyone, but I'll say this. When tough times come, we have a yet. We have something we anchor to. We have a light in the darkness, so to speak. An anchor that is deeper than the despair and stronger than than storms, any storm. And if you don't, well, Psalm 74, verse 12 is a good place to start. Yet God, my King, is from old Working salvation in the midst of the earth, God is. God is my king. God is working. God is a God of salvation. You can't put a price tag on yet. I'll leave you with one other passage. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. See, Paul had a yet. Despite whatever he was dealing with, he says, I'm going to press on. Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are uh, let those of us who are who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Here's an interesting statistic. Did you know that 88% of car accidents happen within two miles of your home? That's a fact. I looked that up. That's, that, that statistic is not made up. I know 87% of all statistics are made up on a on a spot, but this one I looked up. 88% of car accidents happen within two miles of home. The reason why is because the closer to home we get, the more relaxed and comfortable we get behind the wheel. Right? Our surroundings are more familiar. We've driven these streets thousands of times, right? And so we've driven these streets more than we've driven any other streets. We relax. We take our eyes off the goal because... Home is in sight. Even if you can't see your home, you know you're close. And so you take your eyes and your mind off the goal. You can become distracted, right? And then, bam, accident, two miles from your house. Scott will appreciate this. Same thing happens to marathon runners, right? Finish line comes into view, and you got some dude that thinks he's won it, right? And he starts celebration early, and he slows down, and just like that, bam, he gets passed by four other runners because those runners were still pressing on towards the goal. 
or worse, <laughs> maybe they don't get passed by the other runners who are still focused. Maybe they relax and they trip over their own feet. They fall and they hurt themselves. Or sometimes, like we started out with in Psalm 74, you find yourselves in the midst of devastation, in the, the midst of a storm. And it's not that we relax. It's not that we, we don't want to press on to the goal. We can't see it anymore, right? We've lost the goal. And maybe you can't feel the presence of your anchor. And if your anchor is God, you can't feel the presence of God in that moment. And so, like I said earlier, maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's you know the betrayal or the loss of a loved one or a child or something like that. The bottom line is, is when you can't feel the presence of that anchor and you can't see the goal anymore, you get scared, right? We get tired. Worse than that, I think probably... Worse than feeling scared or tired is feeling alone. I mean, I don't know if there's many things in this life that are worse than that. Because you can be in a room full of people and still feel entirely alone. And so we get discouraged and we just give up. It's not that we can't see the goal anymore. We just give up. But let me leave you with this encouragement. Don't mistake the presence of the storm to mean the absence of your anchor. Don't mistake the presence of the storm to mean the absence of your anchor. For me, it's God. I don't, I don't mistake the presence of the storm to mean the absence of God because if he was with me before the storm and he's with me in the midst of it, he's still with me at the end. We got to keep our eyes focused on those who have gone before us, right? And set the example. That's what the apostle Paul was saying. And we, we press on. I read this article a couple weeks ago about a guy that had fallen off a fishing boat up in Alaska. And um, they weren't too far offshore, but they were far enough that he had to swim for several hours, like three or four hours to get to shore. He could see the lights on the land and swam. And when he got to the shore, he was so exhausted He's already on shore, but all he had to do was crawl up a few more feet. But right there at the end, he just collapsed and he drowned. Right there in two inches of water. Man, what a what a devastating realization. Press on. Paul closes this, this verse that I just read to you from Philippians this way. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll just leave that. I'll leave it there. I, I, won't, I won't go there with you. I'll just say this. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of devastation, in the midst of hard times, if you've got a yet, you can press on, right? Yet gives you hope. Yet gives you light. Yet gives you purpose and focus. And so if you haven't found your yet, yet, I want to encourage you to do so. Thanks for entertaining me tonight. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to speak to you. I hope you found this encouraging and that it'll be useful to you. Scott and I hopefully will be back together soon. Uh, we are working on it. We're working towards it. We're just having a hard time, and we appreciate your patience with us, and we hope we haven't lost you as an audience. As always, if you like it, share it, spread it around. I hope you found it useful. Talk to you guys next time. See you.